0: This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. I'm talking to John Hughes. He has put a sauna into the spare room in his Altamont home. He grew to love the tradition from his Finnish wife. He describes it as a very social thing in Finland, making you feel both relaxed and purified. You do it naked, he said, explaining that Finns don't have the puritanical bias of Americans. The couple met at an educational media conference in Honolulu. She was a college professor in Finland. He was a media producer at SUNY. Both are retired now. They married last April in the midst of the pandemic in front of the Gilderman Town Hall. His wife, Taliki, was surprised at how beautiful America is, and Hughes enjoys the sense of contentment he feels in Finland. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you. There's an interesting story as to why John is in Finland. Can you tell us that story?
1: Well, um, first of all, thank you for having me. This is... uh very nice to be interviewed. And um, yeah, I uh, married uh, my wife, a Finnish woman. Her name's Tuliki. And uh, we met originally in 2003 in Honolulu, Hawaii at a conference. We were both in the education business. Um, she she's a college professor. And just over the years, we have collaborated on some papers. And uh, uh, then we dropped out of touch for a while. And then we get As I was approaching retirement, she had retired and we were both single and we got back in touch and um, we got together and got married (laughs) after a a few, you know, after a year. Wow.
0: So I understand you had emailed me that you got married in the midst of the pandemic. Tell us about the wedding.
1: It was last April 23rd, and we were in Gilderland. We had planned to be in America for just a few months. We came back last, uh, gosh, last March, and we were just going to be there for a couple of months. And we got stuck because of the pandemic. They canceled all the flights to Europe. So um, we decided to get married, and we got married on the front lawn of the... uh, uh, Gilderland Town Hall. And we were standing about 10 feet away from the officiator. And, you know, in clear view of everybody going by Route 20. Um, and we set it up so uh, Tuliki's kids could watch on um, by video. So I had a tripod and I set up her iPhone so we could uh, video back to Finland. The ceremony.
0: That is so cool. True love nice. proceeding in the midst of all the hardship. I think that's just great. Well I'd oh, like, I know, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd just like to hear a little bit about life in Finland. I am... I got just coincidentally an email this week from a survey that is done every year on the happiest place in the world to live. You know, they look at things like, oh, I don't know, quality of life, free press, um, education. And Finland has been at the top of the list Ever since I've been doing the survey, so just tell us a little about what makes life in Finland so very happy.
1: Well, the joke here is that it wins that year after year because all the sad people kill themselves. <laughs> oh dear, um, that's a terrible <laughs> joke. <laughs> that's Finnish humor for you, right there. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, they they have a very dry wit. Um, yeah, I think you know I. It's hard to say, you know, you can't say happiness, haha, party kind of feeling, but I think there's a real sense of contentment and feeling safe in the society. You know, having the medical system they have, or no, you know, I've told people in Finland about how our medical system works, and they thought I was joking. I mean, they, they really couldn't believe the whole thing about insurance and, and all this kind of stuff. If you're in Finland, if you, if you're a Finnish citizen, you get all the medical care you need, end of story. So I think that's a big piece of it is that there's this contentment, this um, feeling that you know terrible things aren't gonna happen to you. Um, the society works really well. It's very stable society and it's very, um, you get the feeling the government really works for the people and people have a lot of faith in the government and they have a lot of faith in the police too. Um, So it's sort of a different attitude than a lot of Americans feel about, you know, our government and our our way of life. So I think I think contentment is more the word and it translates into overall happiness.
0: So just describe kind of where you live and what what a day in the life is like. Um, I'm a little hesitant to pronounce the town. Is that how you say it?
1: Yeah, Hammenlina. Hammenlina. Yeah, okay,
0: so just tell us tell us about what that's like, where you are.
1: Well, it's a, it's a nice little town. It's about the size I would say it's about the size of Troy. Maybe um, it's about uh, an hour and twenty minute train ride north of Helsinki. And um, you know, it's 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 just a nice little place. It's on a lake. Uh, there's a rather large. Finland is full of lakes. And there's a very large lake that runs right through the middle of town. So we have to walk over a bridge to get into downtown Hamenlina. And, you know, it's just, it's like, uh, you know, culture, Western culture is the same all over the place. I mean, it's a lot like America in a lot of ways, except for the language, of course. But, uh, you know, there's shopping centers, there's a little mall, there's restaurants and, you know, it's... it's, uh, the one difference is that the uh, things are a lot more walkable. Um, you don't have the suburban sprawl that you have in America. People tend to be clustered around town. So it's we wouldn't even think about taking the car to go into downtown uh, to go to a restaurant or something like that. You just walk to get there.
0: Nice. So you mentioned the language. Um, if I Looked up to see, and in addition to Finnish, Swedish is the national language, too. What about right. English? How do you get along, or do you speak another language?
1: Oh, I wish I spoke Finnish. Um, yeah. the, the thing is, Finns are very well-educated. I mean, that's part of the whole happiest place. I mean, education system here is amazing. It's really one of the best in the world. And everybody speaks English. I mean, people at the checkout counter... Um You know, the guys at the garage, everybody speaks English, you know, some better than others, but it's not hard to communicate. Um, what gets hard is is sort of like reading signs. And when I go shopping and I try to read labels on things, it's uh, it's really hard to even get a clue of what's being said, because um, Finnish is not in any way related to any Latin based language or Germanic based language or Indo-European language it's a completely different language that's kind of um, I think Estonia Estonian is the closest relative to it and um, it's it's a little hard to understand signs and you know like if you see something in French or even Swedish you see you get sort of an idea of what they're trying to say you can pick out words but you can't pick out anything in Finnish at all
0: does it have and, an alf- what, mm-hmm. Does it have an alphabet?
1: Yeah, it's the same as English, except yeah. um, uh, uh, there's a few extra letters, um, vowels with umlauts in them, basically.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And I haven't really gotten the, you know, the pronunciation of these things. There's huge difference between ah and ah. Eh. It can totally change the meaning of a word, and I haven't really gotten the hang of that.
0: Well, that would be hard. So you mentioned this superb educational system, and you and your wife both are immersed in education or were for your career. so tell us yeah. tell us about what the education system is like in in Finland.
1: Um, well, I, you know I don't know a whole lot. you know I, obviously, my wife knows more. She was a a college professor at uh, Aulu Polytechnic Institute uh, up in Aulu, which is Probably halfway up the country, um, to the north, um, it's just it's, it just seems to be a superb system. They they routinely get top ratings for high school mm-hmm. uh, education, and she was an education professor, which which is a very nice thing. And it's interesting because the um, the college system is kind of bifurcated. Uh, there's sort of a uh, academic part of the college system that's like biologists and physicists and chemists that sort of thing. And then there's a more um what do they call it uh you know like they have another section that goes for teachers and um even craftspeople get a fairly high level college education like if you're going to be a machinist or something like that you still go to college for it.
0: Yeah. And what I was reading, it looks like you the kids there don't start school until seven. So I mean, there there's more time at home or are they in daycare yeah. during that time? It, it's a, like the primary years it looked like was six years and then the secondary school was three years. So it was shifted yeah. later than here. And there's such a movement here for preschool and actually having kids in a school environment here starting at age three now or even, you know, younger than kindergarten. And there It seemed like, you know, starting at seven would give you a different kind of
1: start to your education. They they do have preschool. Um, You know, the formal, you know, first grade starts at seven. But before that, they do. uh, My wife's grandson is five and he goes to preschool. So, um, yeah, they do have a pretty extensive uh, preschool system here. And, yeah, I can't figure it out because they don't have any homework I'm always seeing kids walk. You know, they have odd hours for the schools. Um, Probably that's because of the COVID. But you know, kids don't seem to be in school for a real long time, and um, somehow they get very good results.
0: Yeah. Well, I've heard arguments. We once had a teacher that wrote a whole series of columns for us on. You know. No homework and the value of that in terms of, you know, learning intensely at school and then having time to think and develop outside of it. So there's, you know, a whole philosophy on that. Well, tell us about what it's like with a pandemic in Finland. How how are the restrictions there and how has that affected life?
1: Well, it's kind of been a yo-yo at this point. When we first got here, it was not terrible. I think it was four people per 100,000. This is back in January. Um, And since we've been here, it's sort of gone up exponentially. And the the government's a little hard-pressed to know what to do. They tried to have um, uh, restrictions on movement, and that got ruled unconstitutional, so now they have to do it. But they have shut down the restaurants. They've shut down gyms. Um, They've done things like that. But some of the rules seem kind of funny. I mean, it's, you know, like you. Could, everybody's got a cabin on the lake. There's so many, there's 118,000 lakes here. So everybody's got a cabin on the lake. So you, you can go to your own cabin, but you can't go to a rental cabin. You know, things like that that are kind of odd. <laughs>
0: Everybody with a cabin on a lake sounds great. Well, the picture, oh, yeah. the picture of you that we're going to run in our print edition to go with this podcast has this beautiful scenery, and you were telling me that's right near where you live. Um, Olenka, is that the name of the area? The Olenko. Olenko. Okay. So just yeah. just tell us about. Uh, I don't know if you have a cabin on the lake, but you certainly have access to that area. Um, just. Tell us a little about that natural setting. That's so beautiful.
1: Well, yeah, it's Alenco National Wildlife Area. It actually, I've been reading about it because um, there's a whole lot of structures up there, like like these stone castles and things um, that are kind of intriguing. But you know, I, they weren't built in the Middle Ages or anything. They were built in the late 19th century, and it turns out it was an estate of um, some Swedish guy who made a lot of money building weapons in Russia <laughs> during oh. the 19th century. Oh, gosh. And he bought this huge estate and it has lakes and he he sort of made it into a, an English estate, digging out ponds and building little structures and castles and things like that. And eventually it uh, got acquired by the Finnish government. And now it's a... Um, a national natural area and it's it's quite beautiful it's a great place to hike and cross-country ski Uh, people here really love to get outdoors they love to ski it can be 20 below zero and you'll see people walking around like it's nothing you know it's amazing so and one of the funny things the first time i went there i noticed on the cross-country ski trails they had lights like street lights over them and it took me a second to realize that in the wintertime it's dark here so much because it's it's really dark from like two in the afternoon until ten in the morning. So they have lights on the cross country ski trails so people can come after work and take advantage of them.
0: Wow, that is amazing. I you when you know, think yeah. of Finland, you do think of skiing. Um do you ski there? Do you and your wife go cross country or
1: uh, actually, we've been snowshoeing a lot. Oh, nice! That, that was that's been our thing. Um, I don't have a pair of skis over here, and it's I just haven't gotten around to buying them. It was kind of hard to go to the store, but yeah. I do have snowshoes here. So, nice. Um, yeah, we, we do have a cabin on a lake, except it's way up north in Lapland. Um, so we went up there for about two and a half weeks in January and February. No, actually, February and beginning of March.
0: Well, tell and, um, us about Lapland. Wow. That's... Oh,
1: it's... Yeah, it's cold. <laughs> it's, we, uh, we happened to go up there at the beginning of a cold snap, and um, it got to be 27 degrees below zero Fahrenheit, which is pretty cold. I mean, you don't realize. I've never been in cold like that, and it stayed that way for a week. So... Um, we spent a lot of time in the house she has a, her family has a really beautiful cabin up there it's on a a, a lake near um inari which is the biggest lake in finland um so we just spent a lot of time hanging out and um the northern lights were there it was like incredibly beautiful a couple of nights and um it's just a, a beautiful place
0: wow well um it's Did you, do you know the Sami people that live there? I mean, is it the native indigenous people are part of the, the experience of being there? Um, You know, it's
1: not, they're pretty assimilated into Finnish culture. Like we had to have an electrician come and he was a Sami guy, um, you know, to check out the wiring in the house at one point. Um, So they're pretty, it's assimilated into Finnish society um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, there's definitely, you know, traces of their culture. And there are in in the town of Inari, there's a couple of uh, Sami cultural museums, um, which we've gone to, which are really excellent. Nice. And it strikes me how similar they are in many ways. Their music and uh, a lot of their cultural artifacts like baby carriers and stuff are so similar to um, American Indian. And, and their clothes, too, they, uh, you know, they, they do a lot of beadwork and, uh, and their traditional clothing. So it just makes you wonder if, you know, people out of Siberia, some of them went west and some of them went east, you know?
0: Yeah. Huh. Well, you mentioned the, the long hours of darkness. What, tell me, and you must then on the other season get the long hours of light. It just what's it like living living in that kind of environment
1: yeah I'm, I'm not really used to it the first time i came here was in june two years ago and um well it wasn't the first actually it was the second time i came here but the first time i came here in the summer but it's kind of hard because we're not that far north but still it's um you know at three in the morning it's like dusk out and combine that with a uh, seven hour time difference it can really affect your sleeping a lot so we actually went out and bought blackout curtains because it doesn't bother my wife that much um, um, uh, she's used to it she's grown up with it so being light at midnight doesn't affect her at all um but for me it kind of keeps me awake
0: Yes, <laughs> yes, it would. And the, yeah. but what about the other side, the darkness? Does that get depressing having so such long stretches of darkness? Um,
1: I don't. Yeah, I don't. It, it's kind of comforting in a way. It's you just hibernate. You know, it's kind of it's interesting. They 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 say up in Lapland, people just sleep from December until February. <laughs> they don't do much. It's kind of a pain in the neck because when we were trying to do stuff up in Lapland, um, There, are, the days are really short in, December, in the winter. Yeah, And um, you get like four hours of sunlight. And it, um, if you want to do something like what, uh, um, snowshoeing or something like that, you really have to plan it so you, you get back in time before it gets dark.
0: Yeah, that's something. Well, I'm not... Another- yeah. When you had emailed me to set this up, you mentioned that both you and your wife worked in distant learning. And I just think it would be interesting to hear about that now, because in the age of coronavirus, everything has become distant, you know? And I just, yeah. yeah, I just wonder, just tell me a little about your work and her work and any thoughts you have on this current world we're all living in, um... You know, where we don't really see a lot of people. <laughs> we just, you know, relate as we are now over the computer.
1: Yeah, I know. It, it, uh, it could be quite isolating. Um, yeah, we, we both, uh, I worked at, uh, first I worked at RPI and then I worked at SUNY um, in their distance education programs. So, um, you know, using video and internet to uh, teach courses. And, my wife worked, um, as I said, she was a professor of education, but up in Aulu, they handle all of northern um, Finland, which is a huge area and, you know, like hours to drive from one place to another. So by necessity for people taking courses who lived up in Lapland, they had to take it on distance education, um, you know, and this was, you know, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So they would use different uh, distance education platforms. But, uh, you know, both of us kind of agree that distance education works very well, except it's really isolating. And, you know, we both worked in programs where people would get together periodically and have actual human contact, that sort of thing. And, you know, that's difficult now in this situation. But I'd say if there was ever a time and period, a period in time where, um, this kind of thing was going to happen. This is a good one because we have te- all these technologies now um, to interact uh, and to teach at a distance um, pretty effectively. And I think there's a body of knowledge in doing it because, you know, the kind of work we've been doing for the last 15 or 20 years, even though it was sort of a small subset of college age students, I think a lot of that experience and knowledge has been taken down into different levels and, and used for sort of wider education purposes.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think trying to imagine this pandemic without the technology Oh, yeah. It's hard to even wrap your mind around, but um, it yeah, just anecdotally, you know, talking. Or I don't actually talk to people face to face anymore, but listening to them <laughs> on like a recent school board meeting, there was some <laughs> some school board members saying that some kids are learning better at home through. The computer than they did in the classroom. So I don't know if you have any thoughts for what might carry forward after we come out of this. That is beneficial to have learned, you know, through through having this distance learning experience superimposed on everybody.
1: Well, learning styles have been a topic of research, and um, you know, for years that so there's different learning styles. Some people learn by doing. Some people learn by hearing. Some people learn by seeing. Um, different. There's no cookie cutter way to educate people. Different people have different styles of uh, that they're the most comfortable getting knowledge. And, and that's another thing that's been, um, you know, it's good that this is happening now because people really understand that that there's a lot of different ways to. Transmit knowledge to gain knowledge. And um, yeah, sure. Some kids are going to be more uh, more comfortable on the computer. Some kids are going to, you know, be less comfortable and wish they were in the classroom where they could see the teacher and, you know, get that one to one stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just wonder if the two of you have long conversations about educational issues, both having been in the field or now that you're retired, is that something that you've just set aside and are are doing other things with your time?
1: No, nah, we talk about what we're going to have for dinner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, tell us about the food in Finland. What do you have for dinner?
1: Oh, it's just, it's just like American food. I mean, it, everything is pretty much the same. Um, culturally as in America, you know, pasta, rice, you know, some local, there's some local variations, but it's, you know, it's not like, uh, there's some huge different variety of food here. I think, I think the world is pretty homogenized at this point and supermarkets are supermarkets.
0: Well, that's disappointing to me. Here's, we're, we're,
1: we're going to be having, um, mumi for that's a traditional um, easter delicacy uh, yeah i think it's called mumi and what, and what is a, mumi it's some sort of rye pudding that i i've heard you know i've never had it i've seen people like i watch a lot of youtubes uh, you know people living in finland from other countries and there's a wide range of opinions about mumi but,
0: um, and we're you try have you yourself Sunday. have you you've never experienced Moomi? This is going to be new for you this the, Easter. Su- this Sunday, yep. Yeah, we're check it out. Okay. Well, I uh, here's a very, very weird question. Oddly, one of the things I think of when I think of Finland, because I don't know a lot about Finland, is saunas. Do you have a sauna (laughs) or are they not as frequent there as, you know, popular culture would have it?
1: There are more saunas than people. I'm not kidding.
0: Okay. No, we
1: have have one in our apartment. I've never been to anybody's house who doesn't have a
0: sauna. So tell us about why the sauna is important. I mean, do you use it and what does it do for you? Yeah.
1: We try to keep it down to every other day just to save electricity, but I love it. I mean, I, I, I actually got one from my house in Altamont. Um, when we got stuck there and we couldn't go to the YMCA anymore, um, I bought a sauna kit and built a sauna in my extra bedroom. Um,
0: so but here. What is it you love about it? What Just describe the experience.
1: It's very relaxing. It's. Um, we usually do it for about 15 minutes and we get it up to about 70 or 80 degrees Celsius, which is about 170 degrees. Um, it's hard to describe. It's just very relaxing. And you feel, you feel very purified when you get out of it. You feel very relaxed or like you just got rid of toxins. you sweated a lot. Um, and it's just a, it's, it's sort of a way to, sit and socialize and talk and relax for a few minutes in in this little room and it's a very social thing here in Finland I mean people and everybody you do it naked so it's like you know it's a little awkward sometimes you know
0: and you sit um, and chat and just relax
1: yeah 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 they don't have the puritanical background that I think America has. So yeah. it's no big deal to just get naked in front of a group of people and sit in the summit.
0: So you mentioned Altamont. Are you the two of you are going to be living kind of a split life? You're going to be spending half your time in Finland and half in Altamont or how, how is that going to work?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure what the ratio is going to be, but yeah, we're going to be bouncing back and forth um, for sure. Because Truliki loves Altamont. I mean, she she was so surprised at how beautiful America is. I mean, people over here think, you know, America is Times Square and that's it. And then, you know, she came over and we spent 11 months, you know, when we kind of got stuck there. And um, just explored the area and we both really enjoy the outdoors, really enjoy hiking. So we were, you know, went to Thatcher Park a lot and hike to hike point a lot and uh uh hit all those different hiking places in the area so tuliki loves it over there i love it over here so we're going to be bi-continental i guess